Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. You know, uh, today is one of those days where we are inviting not only you guys in the room, but our other campuses as well. So Waverly, hello, welcome, and uh, Grundy Center as well. So thanks for joining us. You know, I've gotten in the habit of saying thank you because I think it's true. Uh, I really do appreciate the fact that you've chosen to be here, and I know that you have lots of other choices in your life, and, uh, and yet I hope that God would bless that choice today, that uh, it might be an encouraging service for you and an opportunity for us to gather and fellowship together. So in these next three weeks, we're actually calling them Vision Sundays. It's where we take some time to pause and remember who we are and remind ourselves of why we do what we do. And so we wanted to be able to hear the, the same message all at once. And so that's why we stream to our, our three different campuses. Our goal is that we might uh, help build some momentum and some energy and uh, unity across our campuses. But this is also a new season in which I, I want to say welcome back to students if you happen to be back or faculty. I know uh, my wife is back to school, and so sorry, teachers and coaches. Yes, summer is over. <laughs> I know, and uh, moving into this new season. But I'm excited about these next few weeks. Uh, we say each week, usually from our host or somewhere in the service, almost every week, that our mission is this, to help next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world. In fact, I think we want to be a church that passes that torch of faith to that next generation of faith well. And uh, we invest a lot of time and energy to do that. Well, on these vi Vision Sundays in particular, we're going to be focusing on one phrase of that, that mission statement, and that is blessing a broken world. We help next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world. And, and I know, I don't have to say a lot, we know that our world in so many ways is broken. And so the opportunity to bless a broken world is great. So how do we do that together? We're going to explore that over these next three weeks. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about through our groups. Uh, next week, it's through our personal lives. And the following Sunday, it will be about how we do that through the ministries of our church. So this morning, how do we bless a broken world? I want to look at a particular passage in the New Testament. It's from Acts chapter 2. Uh, this, this is a, I would call it a seminal passage of scripture for Orchard. It's been that way for a number of years, and, and it, for many churches, it's great. And here's the reason why. I mean, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell the story of Jesus. It's like a biography. There are four biographies that tell the story of Jesus. Well, Acts is actually this history or the story of the early church. And once Jesus kind of left, ascended, and his presence through the Holy Spirit came, how did they live? How did they do this thing? So I want to kind of put a microscope on a particular passage of Scripture, Acts 2, 42 to 47, and we're going to explore and maybe we'll catch, capture some of the DNA that that early church had so that we can then replicate. How do we live that today? What does that look like for us today? So let me just read from Acts 2, 42. Let me give context again. Uh, the Jesus sent off his disciples. He said, he gave him one last word, a commission, hey, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, through the ends of the earth. But here's the deal. I want you to wait. Wait for the, my empowering presence, my spirit to come upon you. 
and then you're going to go do this thing. Well, the Holy Spirit has come in Acts chapter 2, and an amazing event happens. 3,000 people come to faith that day, in one day. And uh, so it says, what did they do? Well, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So, as I read that, as I see that, what is it they did? What did the early church do? Well, it says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, public spaces, but they also met in homes where they gathered. So, what did the early church do? They gathered. The early church gathered in large public spaces, but also in confined homes, in spaces where small groups of people would meet. They gathered. In fact, I want to just kind of pull out the lens just a little bit and look at more of the the book of Acts and just show you how they gathered. In Acts chapter 1, again, Jesus had given these disciples, these early disciples, this this commission, and he said, hey, I'm leaving, but I want you to wait. And so what do they do in Acts chapter 1? It says, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. And a Sabbath day was walked from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And then it says in verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What did they do? They gathered. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the day of Pentecost. It says when the day of Pentecost, what were they doing? They were together. They were all together in one place. In Acts chapter 4, This is a story after Pentecost. Peter and John, leaders of the early church, are proclaiming Jesus. They get into trouble with the religious leaders. They're thrown into jail. What happens? Well, the people of God gather. They pray for them. They get released. What do they do? They go back, it says. On their release, they went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So they were gathered. Then you, you fast forward. Much of the book of Acts after chapter 13 is really the story of Paul and his missionary journeys and, and how the church went out to share. And this is what Paul says in Acts chapter 20. He says, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What did they do? So Paul on his missionary journeys would invite people to gather. They would meet in public spaces, but he'd also meet with them house to house. They gathered. So in times of uncertainty and confusion, the church did what? Gathered. In seasons of waiting, the early church did what? They gathered. In times of celebration and praise, what did they do? They celebrated. They gathered. In times of persecution, the church did what? They gathered. In times of missional movement, they invited others and they said, hey, let's gather together. Let's gather. 
There's something about this idea of being together. In fact, we say here as a value of ours that life is better together. There's something about this journey of faith that I just can't do it on my own. I need people. In fact, I get distracted. I I put my focus in the wrong place. I, I do dumb things. I'm just better when I have some other people around me. And and that's true. Thank the Lord I'm married. I mean it's my wife is is this companion. In fact, I've done a number of weddings this summer. And uh, guess what the favorite passage uh, of Scripture right now, it's kind of the thing, it's Ecclesiastes 4. I don't know if you know Ecclesiastes 4, but you know what it says? Two are better than one. And then it goes on to a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You've probably heard that before. Life is just better together. We make better decisions. We can defend each other. I mean, all of these things. Life is better together. And to live the Christian life I'm convinced you cannot live it in isolation. Because I forget. I need somebody else to encourage me. Which is why Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 has become so important to me. And this is what it says. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see that day, capital D, that day, that day when Jesus will make all things right, that day approaching. So what did the early church do? They gathered. But they did some things as they gathered as well. Why would they gather? Well, oftentimes in the book of Acts, it says to pray. Or it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, which we would say engaging the Bible or coming together to be in, to worship in public spaces, to be reminded of God's goodness, to praise Him. They broke bread, they had fellowship. They join together. One of the things that we say is that we want to help people worship God and we want to help people engage the Bible. Those are things that that we help people to connect with God. We come together to connect with God. If nothing else, the church is many things, you know, it's many, many things. But if nothing else, the church I'm convinced, is the keeper of a message. And that message is good news. It's a good message. You know, it goes something like this. There is a God who deeply loves you. He created you. In fact, he wants you to know him. In fact, he sent his son to reconcile you to him. And God is not only knowable, but he is responsive to our requests. We can communicate with him. We can pray. We can ask. 
In fact, he, he made us right with God through his son. So our relationship can heal a broken heart and fulfill the very deepest longings of our heart. So you know what we do when we gather? We help people connect with God. In fact, you want to bless a broken world? I think the church of Jesus is one of the only institutions sort of stewarding this, this message. It's the only place that has given that, this message, this good news to share with the world. So we gather to help people, remind people of the goodness of God, to help them connect with God. You don't go to the pool to connect with God unless you're there with, with other people. You go because you've got this group connecting. Uh, let me just back up. Sometimes you do go to the pool to connect with God, right? Because I went there yesterday. What am I saying? What I'm saying is that you're not going to hear this other places. You hear it from God's people. It's from me. It's my story. It's from your story. We come together to hear that story. We connect with God. The church is many, many things. Sometimes we get out of our lane, but it is a steward, a steward of this message. We want to bless a broken world. We share the story of what God has done for us. And we do that together. We do it together. What else did they do? Well, it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. In other words, they cared for one another. They first connected with God. Yes, they praised him. They, they sought him by engaging the Bible, the apostles' teaching. But they cared for one another. They prayed for one another. They practiced this sort of radical generosity. They shared with those in need around them and for the people around the skirts of them, the people that they knew. They shared. Why? Because of what God had done for them. I like to say it this way. They lived out of the overflow of the goodness and kindness of God and the reality of what God had done for them. They endeared themselves to others. Why? They sacrificed greatly. They gave generously. They served humbly. Why? Why? Because they had come to know the, sacrifice, the sacrificial, ridiculously generous love and service of Jesus. They had experienced something. Something. And they were giving that gift and living out of gratitude. What else did they do? Well, I believe they also encouraged one another. They came together to live out their purpose, to encourage them. In other words, they said, hey, God has given us this gift. We need to support one another and help 
You find what it is that your passion and your gift is so that you can, when you live that out, you can steward your message out there as well. I mean, I'd love to kind of explore more of Acts, but that's exactly what they did. They realized that this movement that God was doing was too great for one person. So they needed to share the load and share the giftings. That's what we do together. It's like we come together, we support one another. They divided them. I've been in many, many small groups over the years. And one of the recent ones, I had a, a teacher, a salesman, a business owner, an engineer, a plumber, and a retired laborer, all guys. So um, it, it was a great group of guys. One of the things about this group of men was that they found that their sole sort of need became each other. They were there, kind of connect with God. They learned how to connect with God. They, that was their pursuit. Our differences sort of washed away, but they, they had a safe place where they could come and they could be, they could share their story. Why? Because all of them lived in stressful situations. In heart, it was hard for them to live out in their family, in their place of business, this, this thing called faith. And they came and it was an amazing thing. One of the best gifts that I get to, to have as a pastor is that I receive and I hear the stories of people. And they would come together and they would share stories. And they would cry and they would celebrate. Yes, grown men crying. <laughs> yes, grown men confessing. Yes, grown men saying, we need each other. And they empowered each other to live out their story of God at work in their lives when they went away from that place. They encouraged one another to live out their purpose. So, friends, here's the deal. As we enter into this season... I want to invite you to gather. Yes, we come together every Sunday. We come together in great public spaces. We come to Cedar Falls and we come to Waverly. We come to Grundy Center. We have amazing, gifted worship musicians. We come and we sing and we express our praise to God. We want to connect with God. We want to express our love for Him and our praise to Him. But we also come together to care for one another. We also come together to serve those around us. We also come together to say, hey, you are stewarding a message. Let's go together and let's encourage one another along the way. So I'd like to invite you to do something. I know we have lots of different groups that are going to be starting up here in these next few weeks. One of those is uh, a group experience, an experience called Rooted. And today I brought even the book. So what are we doing in this experience of Rooted? Well, I believe it's an adventure where you get to come and gather with a few and you learn how to connect with God. You create time and space for God individually, but then you come and you have shared experiences, shared conversation, shared opportunity to share life, to bring life. 
and you hear each other's stories. So a few years ago, we actually introduced this experience in, in Grundy Center. And in the last couple of years, we've had about 150 people do this thing called Brooded. And so we have a few pictures. Here's a group of guys that came together for that. We come and we share life. We pursue God together. We connect to God together, but we also share stories together and encourage one another. We also have experiences where we are together, not just as one group, but all the groups come together. We have a time in which we're encouraging you to say this, hey, we'd like for you to to encounter God. We'd like for you to connect with God. So we call it a prayer experience. You don't even have to come and pray out loud. It's just you learn how to spend time an extended time with God, and you do it together. One of the great things that Rooted also encourages is this idea that you as a group go seek to care for each other, but give back and, and serve those around you. And so we have lots of stories with that. Here's a, here's a picture of one of the groups, what they decided to do, and you know, Forgive me, because I think a, there's a JPEG number there. I, I said in the first service, I think that's like their prisoner number. They were <laughs> prisoners or something. But it was a great, incredible experience. So what they did was they, they were looking for a place to serve. They said, hey, let's do this together. You know, think God is, what is, God has done, let's, let's extend that to others, right? So there's a woman in our church who had a need. Her roof was terrible. And so we said, hey, we could do that. I didn't say I could do that. I said we could do that. That meant those guys could do that. <laughs> I have a fear of heights. I'm a great coach from the ground. Okay? No, it was, a, it was a group of men and women. It was an incredible group. We literally did it in a day. We got a roof changed. Why? Because we wanted to do something together and we wanted to demonstrate the love of Christ to this woman who had a need. And we got to share that experience together. Here, if you turn the next one, here's another group. And I want to tell this story. This is how the body of Christ works. It's an amazing kind of story. Uh, This group heard that there were a couple students that couldn't afford to go on caravan. Now, caravan for us is a huge event, right? And many of our staff expend a tremendous amount of energy of planning and preparing for all of that. And many people here have served there. And it, and it is a great high adventure experience for, for high school students. And so this small group said, hey, we need to get with these students. Could we help them? And so they, they came, got got with the students, said, hey, would, what do you think? We'd like to help you. And so what they decided upon is that they were going to make meals, freezer meals, and the students would actually sell them to their friends and to their family and, and to the church. And so they came together, the students and this group, and they made the meals, and they raised enough money for them to go. But here's the cool thing. That's just a one little link in this chain Because they were being obedient and responding to the need. They were seeing the need, filling the need. But then other people were planning this incredible event. And so these kids got to go on this event. You know what? They came back and one of them gave his life to Christ, to Jesus. And he was baptized. 
That's what happens. When we're connecting with God, when we're caring for each other, when we're looking for those opportunities to serve and to bless this broken world, God shows up and works through that. And it's led to these life-changing experiences. One of the things we do at the end is we brought people together after 10 weeks and we had this sort of cardboard exercise. So you wrote on one side, 10 weeks ago I was, and you filled it in. And then on the back, you could say whatever. Well, this one person said this, 10 weeks ago my faith was a private part of me in my marriage. Today my faith is a part of my marriage and a journey my husband and I are on together. Or here's another example. Ten weeks ago, I was disconnected. Today, I'm connected to a dear group of women and closer to God. That's what happens. It's like, it's amazing. When we create time and space, when we come together, when we're seeking to connect with God, when we're caring for each other, and we're encouraging you to live out that purpose. And we're doing it together. We're doing it together. What could God do? What could God do? Yeah, we, we come here on Sundays, and I don't want to encourage you to be a part of what happens here on Sunday. It's an amazing thing. We have some incredible people. And I'd like to think that you're going to hear a, a, a decent message, Right? But what would it be like if there were men and women, groups, groups of people all over the Cedar Valley, joined together, seeking God together, caring for one another in radically generous ways, looking to fill a need together, serving together, gathering in Waterloo and Cedar Falls and Waverly and Grundy Center and in every town in between, in homes offices, wherever it is, what would, that, what would God do? And what if it was a shared experience, a shared conversation? What could God do? I want to invite you to jump in. Let me pray. God, I thank you for the fact that you came to be with us and you called us together as your church because you dearly love us and you made a way for us to be reconciled to you. Lord, help us uh, to be people that would encourage one another on this journey to recognize we need each other to be in community to seek you, to be reminded of who you are, to be reminded of what you want to do, to help that next person be a part of your kingdom, your people. Lord, I pray that you would bless this season of life together, that we would together seek you and encourage each other. In Jesus' name, amen.